Ready? Ready. I had to make emergency spaghetti sauce the other day. What? Okay, it wasn't spaghetti sauce. So my my wife's family, half of my wife's family is like uh, Italian, St. Paul Italian, super Italian. And uh, they, and when I was, I'll tell you the whole, this whole story someday, but I learned yeah. to make the family spaghetti sauce, the Ooh. family red sauce, tomato sauce, it's you know? Secret. Like you got to give blood for that. Kind of. But I, but I liked it so much that I changed it. And uh, <laughs> the other day, uh, I won't get into it too much, but we were having a grad party from eldest who's graduated high school and we're serving a, a dish there that required red sauce. And uh, we get to, we could fill in these like these giant like roasters full of this meat, right, for these sandwiches. And it's supposed to like simmer in red sauce all morning. And we get the first th- two filled, and the third one's only half full. Yeah. So like, like, like in an emergency, like go to the store and buy crushed tomatoes and uh, a red onion and garlic and all this stuff, whatever. Hours before. This is like 10 a.m. and the, the party starts at two. Yeah. And I have to make emergency red sauce Jeez. and uh of course it was delicious it was it was wonderful have you ever had to make like an emergency meal no <laughs> not for like a hundred people coming to my house you think it was a hundred we went through three hundred plates here's my if i like didn't have a theme i'm just buying meat at the grocery store and throwing it on the grill yeah that's pretty good too easy you know what i did once for an emergency meal what uh brad all you know brad yeah uh Brad and a bunch of boys, a bunch of young men, um, came over to my house for, like, uh, I don't know, social thing, whatever. And one guy came and he hadn't eaten dinner. It was, like, 9 o'clock at night. And I was like, uh, are you hungry? He's like, yeah. I'm like, um, how about an omelet? Yeah. And he was like, you're going to make me an omelet at 9 o'clock at night? I'm like, heck yeah, I am. Yeah. And so I just made him this omelet. And he just, just he was he was happy as a cat. He just sat, happy as a clam. Happy. He was very happy. Yeah. And he just sat and ate his omelet. And everybody else was, like, jealous that they didn't have an omelet. <laughs> <laughs> 10 p.m. omelets. Yeah, exactly. Do you think it took me an hour to make an omelet? Kegs and eggs. Okay. Yeah, well, it was it was omelets and scotch. That's what it was. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Uh, we should have omelets right now. All right, let's go. Let's let's tell the story first. Though. Welcome to Story Dram, a podcast where we share stories to help share the story. Have you ever felt paralyzed when someone asks you a question? When someone asks us a question, it's often better to answer with a story than a soundbite. I'm Corey LaCroix, and I'm here with Chris Costanz. Let's tell some stories. Are you, are you feeling good? I'm feeling good. I'm super, I got caffeine running through my body. Oh my gosh, I promise you go to the bathroom, bro. Watch that two-minute episode. Dun, dun, dun. Ready? Yeah. Welcome back to Story Dram. My name is Chris, and I'm here with Corey. Corey, how are you doing today? So good. Yeah? Yeah. Feeling good? I feel so good. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. We, uh, we're just talking about food in the soft open here, and I'm... I'm Can I I'm, tell you why I'm feeling so good? Why, why are you feeling so good? So, this is my new new approach the last couple months to the weather. Okay, so in Minnesota, we're a little weak when it comes to the heat. <laughs> Gets above, like, 90 degrees, and we start complaining. Time out. It gets above 78 degrees in Minnesota and start complaining. That's true. Yeah. Start complaining. And same thing with the snow, right? It gets below 20. We start complaining, which I think is more understandable. Yeah. But this summer, I'm like, you know what? Screw that. Let's embrace the heat. Let's do stuff outside. So Absolutely. I've, I've been trying it. I've been like going on some walks, playing some disc golf, trying to hit this little white ball off a tee box. Not going well, but yeah. don't hate the sun as much. Yeah. 
own, own it. It's a, it's like Minnesota's approach to winter. Like if it's going to be crappy here and wintry and like cold, yeah. you might as well go do something in it. Right. Get it to like people who go, go down like, the hill. People are like, hey, is the lake frozen over? We should go stand on it and try to pull fish out of it. That's insane. But that's what Minnesotans yeah. do, right? With a house. Put a house on it first. Yeah, let's put a small hut on it so that we can yeah. be in some comfort as we cut a hole in the ice and S- pull like, fish out. Honestly, it's so fun. Or let's run around and like, or skate around on blades and then hit plastic <laughs> at each other. We're going to do this in the winter. The storage room live from the Northwoods. From the North. Like in a fishing, like yeah. fishing fish house. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I agree. Like, you just got to go do it. You just got to get outside. Yeah. As, a, as a non-native Minnesotan, I was born uh, in a different place. Uh, my blood's a little thinner. So, yeah. like, the, the heat doesn't bother me so much. That's good. Yeah, it's great. It's like I'm a used to it. Like, I'm a big St. Louis Cardinals fan. Nothing like going to a Cardinals game and have it be, like, 103 degrees at game time at 7 p.m., 85% humidity. Because about, about halfway through the second inning, your shirt is so wet with sweat that, like, there's no sweat marks anymore. Yeah, but here's the thing. When you're a Cardinals fan, you win the World Series like twice every 10 years. That is ridiculous. We haven't won since 2011. Listen to you. We're one of the worst teams Listen in the NL this year. Listen to you this year. Come on. All right. Well, you know, <laughs> talking about talking about having a bad year, um, yeah. you know, the Cardinals are not in a good place, but that's okay because um, there, there are more serious things in the world than yeah. you know, baseball mm-hmm. teams and – and the heat. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, so you got a story for us about a, a kind of a serious issue. Yeah. You know, I think just to, you know, not every story that I tell has a little preface, but I'm going to preface this one. I'll do it. Just with this, that, um, yeah, sometimes stories happen over like long periods of time where like, you know, maybe it doesn't just happen in like a three, four minute window. It happens over the course of a few months. Yeah. Um, so Alicia and I got married about 13 years ago. We moved to... Uh, Minneapolis and got a house uh, in the city and keep in mind we grew up in the country I grew up on a little farm she was the country girl down the road and so after college we we wanted to move to the city Alicia had some really positive experiences serving at a local outreach center with predominantly like underserved and homeless populations Um, and I was just like ready to be along for the ride Um, so we got a home in Minneapolis and very quickly got to know a lot of the the neighbors in the city. Uh, we had a little back backyard basketball hoop. So play basketball with the neighborhood kids after school and throughout the summer. And there was a couple of kids. I'm just going to call them. Uh, we'll call them Kayla and Tyler. That's not their real names. I'm just picking two random names of uh, some people I love a lot. <laughs> and uh, um, Kayla and Tyler would come over um, to the house and ring our little doorbell and they'd ask like, do you have any movies we can watch? And so we'd like give them a movie and then they come back the next day. Do you got another movie we can watch? They come back the next day. We like quickly turned into like the neighborhood red box. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, it was cool. And it was like a little, uh, window into an opportunity to meet their family. So we met yeah. their parents a little shortly after that and, um, got to know them over the next few months, you know, and really it was just like outside, you know, exchanging movies, talking to mom and dad once in a while, or mom and boyfriend. Um, and then once the winter months hit, um, the little guy came over, Tyler, and said, um, we're losing our home. He's in third grade at this time. Which is just like, what? Like having a third third grader tell you, like, we're losing our house is like wild. Um, and so I was able to talk to, to his parents a little 
while after that. And, um, yeah, sure enough, they were losing their house. And, um, a couple weeks later, mom and dad came over and said, is there any chance that kids can stay with you right now? Um, we're trying to get a place at the shelter, but because we're not married and he's not the biological parents, we can't stay together. Um, so, and we want to try to stay together. So the kids moved in with us for a little bit. Um, and, uh, a little while later they moved out. Um, and I think it was like at this point, like the first time I was aware that like, like kids in here in the United States of America, like the most prosperous country in the history of the world, um, experienced poverty, right. In like, yeah. Um, yeah, I heard, you know, read things and heard things, but this was the first like up close face to face encounter with it. Um, and it was interesting cause you know, the, the couple, these kiddos that were staying over, like we'd ask them like to get home from school and say like, Hey, like I want to do some homework. And they're like, we don't normally do homework after school, you know, um, right now. Cause you know, we don't know where we're going to sleep every night. Yeah. Um, and I think at that, that moment, the little, this little guy, when he shared that with me, I realized like, oh yeah, if you don't know where you're going to like put your head down at night or you don't know where your like, next meal's going to come from, probably hard to focus on like addition, probably hard to learn the times tables. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I was just like, kind of just a, like wide eyed, um, and obviously wanted to do more like like how can we like really help like this family and you know we're making a lot of phone calls trying to call the shelter figure out you know what is the the right to shelter in the city of minneapolis and you know how does all that stuff work and um the kids ended up going back with their parents they found a place to stay with an aunt Hmm. for a little while and um a few weeks later the young lady showed up at our house and the mom or the, 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 the teenage girl, she's oh, okay. like seventh grade. She's like 14 years old. Oh. And she's like, I'm sleeping on the train. And I'm like, what? And so did she go to school and then she hang out with her friends and then nine o'clock she would just ride the light rail until the next morning. And <clears throat> she said, I didn't want to be my parents at the time. It just wasn't a healthy situation, a healthy situation. Um, she had some other things that I won't share in the podcast. Um, but you know, Alicia and I were like, Oh my goodness. So again, we're like on the internet looking like youth homeless shelter, stuff like that. And found this incredible organization called the bridge in yeah. here in Minneapolis that serves homeless youth. And so yeah. got her connected with there. And, um, a few nights later, it's like two o'clock in the morning. And I hear this like knocking on the window of our bedroom. Like yeah. we're, we're sleeping on the main floor and um, I wake up and I'm like instantly like, what is that? You know, and like I hear it boom, 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 more get on the window. And like I peel back the curtain and my heart is flying like a thousand miles an hour. Like what is happening? You know, it's like somebody like trying to get in. Like, who is this? Does somebody need help? Like there's just like all the thoughts are racing, right? Um, uh, and I can tell there's somebody on the other side of the window, but I, I don't know who it is. And so uh, I throw a t-shirt on, I throw some shorts on, I turn the lights, all the lights on in the house, and I walk to the front porch and I kind of 
peel back the uh, the curtain on the porch, and then I can see Kayla and Tyler's parents. They're standing on the porch, or uh, with with some dogs. I'm like, what the heck, you know? It's, so I go out on the porch, and I'm like, hey, what's going on, guys? And they're like, do you know where Kendra is? Do you know where Kayla is? I said, no, I don't know where she is. And they're like, she's in your house. <laughs> It's like, no, no, she's not. She's actually not. She's actually not. Um, so like, we, we, we have no idea where she is. Um, but we think, like, this is, we're just checking, and we think she might be here. I'm like, no, she's not here. Um, and and then it's like, I'm standing here. I'm not like, I, th- I thought we were in a good spot. I thought we had a good relationship with them. But, like, the dogs that they brought along kind of had me second-guessing things. But I'm still trying to assume the best, you know. Um, but they eventually like, yeah, like they get spooked by some police sirens that come by and, um, the boyfriend of this mom is like, okay, it's time. It's like time to go. We need to go. And, uh, so I took off and I walked back in the house and Alicia was there and I just like kind of sat on the edge of my bed. Like, what the heck? What, what, what did we just experience? Like, I can't imagine being in this situation as a parent. Where I don't know where my 14-year-old daughter is. I don't have a place to sleep at night. And it's a school night. Um, and, yeah, and then just like, uh, at, and, and knowing, right, at this moment, like, you know, one in five kids in the city of Minneapolis are experiencing homelessness every single year. At, or at, sorry, at any given time. Yeah. Any, sorry. One in five kids every year experience homelessness. Right. Um, not at any given time. But still, um, like that's a reality um, far more often than we're aware of. Um, yeah, and just like reflecting kind of after that too, like this little boy, you know, we call him Tyler in the story. Um, like, how do you, like, how do you learn the times tables? How do you learn grammar? How do you learn read to read when like you don't have a place to sleep at night? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's more than just shelter, right? It's more than just food. It's security. Yeah. And I can't remember the, that hierarchy of needs, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, whatever that thing was. But right, like safety is like number one. Like, yeah. well, like oxygen. But then safety, like if you don't feel safe, you don't feel secure, you don't feel like you, that you're, everything else is secondary yeah and the fact that you know you don't have shelter and don't have regular food like doing something higher functioning like reading t.s Eliot or like trying to understand trying to learn how to write an essay mm-hmm. like forget it mm-hmm. um, and then also even like trying to like build community or have friends yeah or like really know even feel comfortable trusting in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we say this prayer and it's our father and here's this boy and the man, or the man in his life is the boyfriend of mom and not his father and mm-hmm. dad's not there. And like, how does that, how does that work? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Know. Yeah. Totally. You, you read this passage of like, don't worry about, don't worry about things of this world. The Lord cares for, you know, even this little bird, right? Mm-hmm. But time and time again, you don't have a place to sleep. 
Mm-hmm. How can you possibly trust God when you when you live like that? Mm-hmm. Like He's you know? here, He's with me. Yeah. Or maybe the answer is that, that that's all you can do is trust God. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, maybe it's the flip Absolutely. of that. Maybe I'm Absolutely. wrong. Absolutely. You know. Well, I don't think you're wrong. I think it's just that to see to be in that moment and to say like, no, that's like what I'm led to. That that place of vulnerability and need and like yeah, God's provision and that even in this moment, like there's hope. You know, yeah. I think like for me, um, a, a big, a big formative moment of this experience was just this like fortification that like my life is meant to be for others, mm-hmm. you know, and like as Christians, like our homes and the security of our homes and the love of our homes and like God's presence that should dwell in our homes is meant to be for others wherever we're at. And um, I think we have to really take that seriously, you know, that like poverty and, um, yeah, single family homes and, you know, economic disparities are not just things to be solved, not just things. They're not primarily things to be solved by like political systems. Right. But like we as a Christians have a responsibility to say like, no, like my home can be a refuge and a haven for you. Yeah. You know, even if it's for a night or even if it's for a moment, even if it's for a dinner, uh, you can, you, my, my dinner table is always open to you. Maybe it's your minivan, you know, <laughs> like right. my, my minivan, the extra seat in my minivan is always open to your kid if they need a ride to soccer practice or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, and it seems like a small thing. We might even dismiss it, but in reality, like yeah. that is, that is being part of this bigger family. This yeah. bigger church family. Yeah, uh, I, I just read in this uh, this document, whatever, um, that uh, basically evangelization, right, which is a scary word, no one likes it, but um, spreading the good news of the gospel, yeah, works best when it's done within the context of solving the real problems of people's lives, mm-hmm. and that for centuries Christianity's worked because we've not only prayed for people, but we've we fed them and housed them and cared for them and and healed them. Yeah. You know, hospitals are, are a Christian invention, <laughs> you know, like oh, seriously. caring for sick people is something that Christianity invented, you know, like, and lives yeah. out in, in a more profound way than before. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's really true. Like in a place of true, serious need, mm-hmm. like these two kids. Yeah. And quite frankly, unlike their parents. Yeah. Cause it wasn't just the kids, right? Right. They were, was generational, a generational experience of poverty mm-hmm. and homelessness, mm-hmm. right? Hundred mm-hmm. yeah. percent. Yeah. How do we, how do we image God in that moment? Like just the way in which God broke in, He breaks into human, the human struggle, right? Mm-hmm. The human fighting ourselves because of our sin. He breaks into that. Um, how do we not feel like we're going to save things, but at the same time, how do we break this, break into that cycle and say? stops here we help here yeah so so I, I hate to ask this question in some ways but i also i just my curiosity's got me what happened yeah like what happened to the kids yeah um, the truth is i don't know mm-hmm. the truth is i don't know and i think like there's a lot of times that that is the case like when we're you know pursuing the lord and 
choosing what we think is best or what we think is most pleasing to God, right? Like, this is what I think is best, so I'm going to I'm gonna step in that direction, and I might not know the outcome on the other side. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes we put ourselves out there, and, and well, I think it was Mother Teresa that said, we're not called to be successful, we're called to be faithful. Mm. And you are faithful to them, and I think to God in that moment. Yeah, Corey. So, yeah. Thanks for listening, bro. You know, I couldn't help but notice that we started this pretty serious episode, right? Um, talking about food and the weather. Yeah. You know, kind of small talk stuff. And that's okay. Like, but sometimes that's the only level of conversation we get to with our people that we kind of consider our closest friends. Yeah. And I think Story Dram, if nothing else, is an invitation um, to tell the the harder story, the deeper story, the, the, the story that cuts to our heart, um, mm-hmm. cuts to our, our very bone, maybe. And just really um, is maybe hard to tell or hard to hear yeah. and to be real with each other, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, yeah, there's Minnesotans classic talk about the weather and everyone is comfortable telling of talking about, you know, food. But at the end of the day, like um, if we're going to, if we want to move the needle on, on loving people and growing, then we, we have to be able to tell the tough story and hear it and yeah. receive the right. tough story from a friend. Right. So that's what I thought about today and thinking about this episode. Yeah. And we appreciate you all out there listening uh, to Story Jam. Uh, if you don't mind, please uh, take a second after this episode is over to follow, like, rate, review, all those things, wherever you listen to Story Jam. Um, quite honestly, we think these stories matter. And we think that they do help to tell the story uh, of Jesus. And so um, if you care to, to, to like and follow us, it helps other people um, hear hear these stories too. Um, so share this podcast with a friend, and uh, take a minute just to, to rate or like this 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 uh, podcast. But more importantly than all that, um, go take a risk, go love someone well, and um, yeah, go make a story. <laughs>